to you today about thoughts. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've watched that latest killing out in California where it was like college night. And um, this guy that's insane comes in and with a Glock and just has a thing on it that's totally illegal and just starts shooting and killing people. Last night I watched at Stony Brook, or Sandy Brook, up in uh, the Northeast, comes in and just kills innocent children. I watched when Sky goes out in South Carolina and these people were having a prayer meeting and they go in and they just starts killing all the people in a prayer meeting. They invited this young man in to pray with them. And then we have the episode that y'all just saw not too long ago as they go into a synagogue and begin to shoot. I've never ever heard anybody ever preach on mental health in church. You hear about mental health out in the world, but today you're gonna to hear about mental health. Having a healthy mind and understanding what the power of one thought and what you need to do with your thoughts. There's birds fly over our head all the time but we don't have to let them build a nest. Thoughts come to every human being, but there's things that the Bible teaches. And we need to understand today what the Bible has to say about our thoughts and how to deal with them. Because the conception and the birth of sin comes from a thought. Our biggest problems in life, our biggest battles, are between our ears. It's not up in the heavenlies, it's not with people, but it's between our ears. I forget how many things that run through our mind at one time. It's, it's crazy, the, the human mind. You know, we're a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Our soul can consists of our mind, will, and emotions. But our mind is where all this battlefield actually happens. Joyce Myers wrote a book, The Battlefield of the Mind, her greatest seller that she ever wrote. And people are still buying it because it's very relevant to today. You think about these thoughts that people have, they're compared in the Bible to snake eggs, where snakes start coming out of these eggs and start in our brain and start going through things. Listen to this. In Isaiah 59, 4 and 5, no one calls for justice, nor does any plead, any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive and bring forth sin. Verse 5, they hatch snake eggs. They weave the spider's web. He who eats the eggs, he who eats these snakes, he who eats these thoughts dies. And from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. You don't immediately go in and start shooting 
into a bar. You do not go immediately go in and start shooting at a church. You do not immediately go in and start killing innocent children. You don't, you don't go just in and start shooting at a synagogue. There has been a thought that started within these people. That thought, as you can see, took them to the place of where they committed murder and just slain innocent people. We all realize this. When is the next time that it's going to occur? Who is it going to be? What children are going to be shot? It's not whether it's going to happen. It's going to happen again because there is no controls upon it. I watch so many times as I go into like basketball games, high school basketball games, I thought what a soft target this would be. Nobody. I bought a ticket. I go in. No policeman. A gym full of children and people cheering. And I've thought many times, I walked right in here and I was looking for security. This church, we do have security. I thank God for the men that serve on the security team because you know what? We don't need some crazy individual walking into a church. I don't want to be the next one. I don't, I don't want this church to experience that. I don't want my children to experience that. I don't want my grandchildren to experience that. Every one of those kids had a grandfather, a grandmother, a mom, and a dad. It's very sad what happens, but I don't even think that we understand mentally and a mental health approach every day. And I'll just say this to you. The word works. The word works. This Bible works. And it's amazing if you'll begin to read the Bible and, fa and get fastened upon scriptures, what it can do. The power of a thought can be negative, as I've just said, or it can be a positive thing. And things are created out of that great thought. Our greatest battles is in our mind. Our greatest battle for our soul is between our ears. And the enemy constantly plants thoughts in our mind. Thoughts of suicide. Thoughts of failure. Thoughts of quitting. Thoughts on giving up. I've had that all my life. No one, you can't take a shot for it. You're not exempt from it. But every one of us must begin to think about how this affects us. The thought life, as, is it really something that we have a hold of? Does our thoughts produce actions? 1,000% of the time. Our thoughts produce actions in our life, whether it's good or bad. Mood swings are nothing but a reaction. Listen to me. Mood swings are nothing but a reaction of our thoughts within our life. You may have been at the place where you've tried to commit suicide. I don't know that. I have no idea in this group of people today. I have no idea whether you're someone that's actually taken a knife to your arm or scissors to your arm and trying what it's really saying. You're trying to destroy yourself. You're not happy with yourself. It's really a thought 
that you have let lodge within your mind and your soul. And you may be listening to me on the internet today, and you may, I want you to understand this. It's a thought that's lodged in your mind that the devil has planted, he's watered it, and you keep on just giving heed to that thing. Remember a thought, you look at it, you hear it, and you speak it. It's the way that thoughts are multiplied and it grows into actions. In the book of James 1 verse 15, it says that when desire has conceived or when a thought has been born, it gives birth to sin. When we continue to play upon that thought, it gives birth to sin. And when it's fully grown, it brings forth death. Temptation is not a sin. We're all tempted. We're all tempted of a lot of things. We can be tempted to look at someone of the opposite sex. Temptation is not a sin. It's what you do with that temptation. It's the way that you take those thoughts. You, you can't just let a thought grow uncontrolled. You have to disengage that thing and you have to cast down that vain imagination as the Bible says. What do you do? Do you replace it? You replace it with scripture. The Bible works. The Bible will not fail. In Matthew 5, 28, Jesus said these words, but I say to you, to whoever looks at a woman to lust, for he's already committed adultery with, his, with her in his heart. Jesus said, it's not always the physical act, it's what you do with your thoughts because that's what's conceived in your mind. And many people's mental health is not stable, even in the church, because they have never really been called to attention about their thought life. Your thought life is so very important. When you look at something, when you think upon something, when you listen to something, you, it's what you say, it begins to incubate a thought or a sin or a creative thing in your mind. Job understood the power of this. Job said this in Job 31.1, I've made a covenant, I made a promise with my eyes. God, I made a covenant with the Lord. Listen what he says. When then shall I look upon a young woman? God, I'm not going to let my eyes. You know, younger guys understand this and older guys understand this. We're differently made than women. We're very visionary. And that's the reason that why men are the majority of the people that buy pornography. Because we're very visual. Just think about this. Let me show you this. I say the word elephant. You see it in your mind. When I say to you, red apple, you've got the picture in your mind. We are visual, pictural creations. When we see, we hear something, we begin to get that thought. So the devil plants something within our minds and then we begin to get off course because of that thought that's lodged in our mind. Remember Lot? Listen to this. 
When him and Abraham split up, their workers were having a fight. He went, he lifted his eyes up toward Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked at it. The next thing that you read, he camped at it. The next thing that you read, he's living in it. The next thing that you read, his kids have married the Moabites. The next thing that you read, he loses his wife because she looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah because her heart was there. And God says, don't ever look back. And then Jesus brings us a statement, remember Lot's wife. The power of the eye. The Bible says in Genesis 13, 10, and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden, that he began to choose Sodom and Gomorrah. I've never been to Israel, but I've asked people, what's at Sodom and Gomorrah? A bunch of black rocks. So you never need to forget that. Life goes toward what you think. Whatever you think, that is where your life is going to go toward that. My life, I, I want to have those thoughts. I want God's thoughts. I want what the Lord wants me to have. And you know what? My heart's going toward what I believe God wants for this church. Because as a pastor, I have to cast the vision. I think this is a, a very interesting scripture found in Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he'll have mercy on him and to our God, and he will abundantly power, uh, pardon him. You have your eye gate, you have your mouth gate, you have your ear gate, for all these things come in. I want to share something with you out of Ezekiel 8. You don't have to turn there. It'll be up there here in a moment. But I want you to listen to me. When Moses was really needing a lot of helpers, the Bible says that 70 people, remember this number, 70 people came and said, Moses, we want to help you. You're underneath a great burden. We want to help you. So he had these 70 people. That's the way it started out. Now I want you to know this went from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And Ezekiel, it says this. Listen to me. They had the temple built, but they built a false wall in the temple. And behind the temple, this is the first time in the Bible that pornography is ever mentioned. They had pornographic things behind this false wall, these 70 elders. They're the same, this 70 deal had been passed down from generation to generation. And behind this wall, they had all these creepy things behind this wall. Idols, everything God told them not to have. Now listen. And so God says, do you understand I dig a hole through the wall and I see exactly what you're doing. I want you to know there is no secret chambers. 
to ever be established in my temple. This will be a curse that is upon you. Do you know what? You don't have no secret chambers in your heart. Your heart's laid bare. God sees everything within our life. There's no secret things that God can't see in. God sees everything inside, and that's where you just get before the Lord and in worship, just say, Lord, I bear my heart. If there's anything wrong, convict me of it. Conviction is a good thing. Well, I want to read that, those things about that they saw in Ezekiel 8, 8 through 11. He said, Son of man, dig into the wall. When I dug into the wall, there was a door. And he said, go in. See all these wicked abominations and beasts and the idols of the house of Israel that's portrayed all around the walls. Right behind this secret wall, they had all these drawings. They had all this creepy stuff. They had all these idols. On the outside, everybody looked in. They didn't know it. It was a false wall. It's like us. We can act like everything's okay, but the secret chambers of our heart, God understands. He will never, ever be blinded to that. It says, go in, see the wicked abominations, what they're doing. So I went in, and I saw there every sort, this is what the Bible says, of this creepy thing, abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel, and all around the walls. And look what this says in verse 11. And there stood before them the 70 men. Where did that 70 come from? It came over here with Moses. Fast forward 17 generations down. And when you see who actually came to kill Jesus, it was the 70 men. It was the Sanhedrin. Those 70 men then came to crucify Jesus. What I'm saying, it's that number. What did they start off at? They started off really good over here. They was helping Moses with the two and a half million people. That 70 was really helping. Fast forward a little bit, we get, well, now they're building a wall. They're indulging themselves on their own pleasure. Fast forward some more over here. 70 more men. What do they do? They come and get our Lord. And they crucified. That was the 70 men. Where did they go from? From here to here. Because they would not guard their eyes. And eventually they became blind. It's a powerful thing that you begin to see in the Bible. You begin to see generations having this problem from one generation to the next. The power of a thought is a crazy deal because when you begin to think about it, let me just give you just an illustration out of the Bible. David was not out to war. He was laying around in his castle. He comes out, and he stretches, and he looks down. He sees Bathsheba. In other words, a UFO, an undressed female occupant. 
He doesn't just, oh my gosh. No. I like her. I like her body. Hey, send for her. Ah, finds out it's one of his frontline guys. I'm going to stage a murder on him. We're going to send him out on the front line. Listen to this. Even when Bathsheba's husband came home, he would not sleep with her. He wouldn't sleep with her. He laid on their front step and slept because he said, I'm going to stay with my men. I'm going to stay loyal. He had a loyal man that would stay loyal to Israel, a good man, a godly man, a good woman. And then we see that he got murdered. David staged from a look to adultery to murder to where he broke every law that God had, ever all the Ten Commandments. It was amazing by the power of a thought. See, you don't think that a thought does very much, but that one thought, that one look, that one thought, it don't do very much. Well, I, I brought something along today. I want to kind of give you this, this illustration. I went from 271 to 241. So I started celebrating. I got me, I can't get these things open. I don't know how it opens, but oh. My favorite donuts. I like them hot over there on Richmond Road, don't you? Do you uh, give me a napkin down there, Marsha, or a Kleenex or there? Hmm. I guess this really won't hurt, you know? It's just one. It's just one, one time, right now, this is it. Just, mmm. Mmm. I think I'll get that six pack. And this is the way that it is. It's not going to hurt. It's just one. It's just one six-pack that I'm drinking chocolate milk. I love chocolate milk and donuts. Mmm. Mmm. It's like the one cigarette. I can still run a 4440. Oh, y'all don't think I can, huh? <laughs> it's not going to affect me. That one pack of cigarettes, it's not going to affect me. It's not. That, that, it's just not going to do it. 15 years. Strong, man. Nothing wrong with me. You know what? It may not. Somebody says, does cigarette smoking take you to heaven or hell? No, you just get... If you're a Christian, you'll just get there faster, okay? Mm. A lot of people just don't understand about a thought. They think that one thought, it's never going to hurt them. Let me show you this scripture. 
Let me get back to reality. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. Do you get this? I, I want you to understand this scripture right here. Just because you plant something doesn't mean it comes up the next day. Do you understand? Do not be deceived. If you eat a dozen of these a day, every day, one dozen is not going to hurt you. A six-pack one day is not going to hurt you. But it's every day. Every day. And every It's just one. But it begins to affect you in an unbelievable way. That's what one thought will do. You know, in my life, I've had these crazy thoughts. It's it's embarrassing to even talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. I was driving down Fern Valley Road in Louisville, and I looked out and says, become rich, be a worm farmer. You know my my wife's got to be special. When I tell her, hey, Marsh, I think we can make some money on this. We're broke, but we can make some money. She said, how? I said, I'm going to start a worm farm. Now, I asked the people, where do you sell these worms? I thought maybe it was just for fishing. But no, they said they sold them to the Japanese to make cookies out of them. I said, really? Well, you know, you would say, would you ever get into a worm farm? Yes, I did. And my wife went along with me, $500 worth of worm farms, and I had them. And you put them in containers, and you put cardboard over them, and then you feed them cornmeal. Worms cannot handle sunlight. Marsh and I were just struggling to make it, and she was saying, when are you going to sell some worms? I said, my worms ain't multiplying, Marsh. I'm supposed to divide them, but they, they just don't, they're not getting the message that they need to have babies yet, okay? So I kept on feeding them, and you always had to keep a light on because they were sensitive to light, and especially at night. If you ever turned off the light, bad. It, it wasn't good. The worms would come out. Marsha was working three to 11 shifts. She came into our house. I was asleep. And she saw a light in one of the rooms where I had the worms. And just by habit, trying to save electricity, she flipped that light switch. And about four in the morning, just out of always seeing that light from my bedroom, I stood up in bed and I said, Oh my gosh! The light went out. And Marcia said, no, I turned it off. Now, if there could ever be a movie called The Worms, I'm in it, okay? I'm your star right here, okay? $500 back in um, 1978, okay? There was worms all over the walls. I'm not exaggerating. We had this woven rug on this linoleum floor. Worms were embedded. You just picked up the rug, and you saw these worms everywhere. Can I tell you what? That was a terrible idea. <laughs> terrible idea. I have these thoughts. I, I want to share something with you right now. Please uh, just bear with me here a second. 
This week, I'm not a Facebook person. I have certain people on my Facebook that I enjoy, just like I hunt original mountain curs, you know, really big topics like this. Uh, Field trial beagles, online auctions. And then there's this one, Tim Brown horse auction. I just like to see when horses come up, how much they go for. I just love, kind of watch that. It's just something to do. But this week, I saw something. And I got a thought. And I want to share it with you today. He has a camel (laughs) for sale. Y'all don't believe me, but I'm telling you, I'm up here preaching the gospel today. I really thought, I said, you know what we could do with that camel? I've always wanted to have a live uh, scene like at Christmas out here. I'm sure I could buy a couple lambs, but we need the camel because that would be a stationary thing. Not everybody has a camel. And so I start reading this about this camel. Trigger is a six-month dromedary male camel. That was good. I didn't want a female. And this guy's courageous, rare paint camel that is blonde, has an overtone type pattern. I know it isn't common for me to offer a camel, but this is no ordinary common camel. He is microchip, very well trained. Both of his parents are dromedary candles, meaning one hump. He's a one hump camel. He's by Gus. Everybody knows Gus the camel, I'm sure. And Al Wendy, he's a grandson of Walk a Mile. Trigger is so sweet and easy to handle. He'll lay down. He'll take an apple right out of your mouth. That's, that's, that's pretty good. He'll follow you anywhere. This is not a common camel. He, he's so soft. He loves to be paid, petted. You can feed him. Trigger eats hay and horse feed. You can treat him like a horse, even though the horses do not know what to think of him. You can hear snorting and blowing in this video. That's the horses. Triggered, though, he's not bothered by anybody or anything. Right now is the time to get him. Right now. (laughs) Right now. This is it. This is the time you can raise him up. This is a great time for nativity scenes. A lot of people rent camels. I've tried to rent them. I can't find them. They're out. They use them at their church. You could also use them at birthday parties. And I was just thinking, wow, what could we do here? And have a petting zoo. I know this is out of my wheelhouse, but I always wanted to own a camel. And I said, I did too. I've always wanted to do that. It just took a while to find the right one. Everyone in the barn loves him, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he didn't sell But I'd love to see one of my great customers get him and keep us updated on the progress. Truly, Trigger is a -a one-of-a-kind animal. He's a very rare opportunity. What a spectacular Christmas present this could be. Good luck and happy bidding. And I got to be honest with you. This this is church. It was at $3,400. 
And I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If I get it for, if I get it for 35, I, I'm going to buy it. So I, I, God is my witness. I went in and I typed in $3,500 and I started to hit it. And as soon as I hit it, it came up, somebody bid $3,500. And I said, is that the Lord telling me not to buy this camel? And then I thought, who would take care of him at church? Warner, but the sale is not over till tonight at 9 o'clock. We still have a chance on this trigger the camel. You all don't believe me, though. That's the thing. I'm not lying to you. He's only at $5,300, and he's only six months old. You say, Gary, you just made that up. No, I didn't either. And you can ask my wife. I'm still thinking about that camel. Wouldn't it be great for two days? We could have thousands of cars drive past our church, and we could have a nativity scene out there, and Jack, you could be one of the old wise men, and Danny, and you could hold the camel. Yeah, you, and you feed him apples as people are going by. It's tremendous. One thought. One thought. I had a thought. Let's start a school in Scott County, a Christian school. Let's don't make it for any church, but let's let it be an independent Christian church uh, school. I meet with two people. The Sloans, we had a hot dog in the backyard, and I said, I've got this thought. This is the way I see it. This is the way I want to plan it. This is what I want to do. Next day, I decided we were going with it. I met a man that was the CEO of Georgetown Hospital, and I started talking to him about it. He was so excited. He was a very organized individual, a top-notch person, and I said, you, I want you to think about it, and he took the position of trying to drive to start this school. Now I'm not, I have no idea what's going on at the school, but there was a school that was started and is still existing. And you know, it was a thought that I had. It was just a thought. But it manufactured out to this. This was a thought. This was a thought. You're sitting in a thought. Nothing more, nothing less. But you need to understand, thoughts are a powerful thing. And I know that that may seem very funny about a camel, but it's a real thought that I'm thinking about is somebody volunteers here today to keep the camel. <laughs> if you'd ever like to raise a camel, please see me after service. We're visual beings. We paint pictures in our mind. Music does this. I, have you ever listened to any music lately? You know, I, I just, I picked a couple here, just random people. I was sitting at a stoplight the other day. It was a warm day. I had my window down. And you know how people come up with their speakers going. They got this going. You know what? In a minute, a minute and a half, 
I heard racial slurs. I heard the F word. I heard all this stuff in a minute. And people buy this. And then they think it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not going to hurt them. One of one song ain't going to hurt you. But day after day after day after day, it's kind of like a paradox. I don't get it when you buy a Snicker bar and drink a Diet Coke at the same time. I don't get that. Miley Cyrus stirred off. You remember her dad was raised up in Flatwoods, Kentucky, and he had a song called Achy Breaky Heart. He was a one-song person and gone. But his daughter comes along and she becomes a star. Some of the things that she sings about is this. Shaking it like we're in a street cl a strip club. Dancing with Molly, which is nothing but a sexual drug. Molly is a sexual drug. Doing whatever we want in this house because it's our house. We won't stop, we can't stop, and we will never stop. And only God can be our judge and no one else. Anybody like any Kanye? Roll my weed. That's just first words. I don't want to go on. I'm saying to you what you listen to gets inside you. I don't care who the singer is or the entertainment business. I don't really give a flip on that. We're not here to downgrade people. I'm telling you what you listen to, what you think upon, what gets inside of you is a real deal. And those thoughts, those thoughts are seeds that become actions and actions produce re results in one way or another. And so you need to see and to understand if you're going to have good mental health, you're going to have to begin to focus what's upon your mind, what's upon your brain. I'm almost through the thoughts that you may have. A little boy came up here at church last week. He said he heard somebody say something at his school. He's a very innocent little kid, and you could tell he was very serious. He said, I can't sleep at night. It's affecting my sleep because of these words it's got down. I've heard him say it at school, and it gets down inside of me and it, I just have all these nightmares. It's a real deal, folks. It really is a real deal. This is not some, somebody that's mentally weak or something wrong that this kid's malfunction. It's a real deal that people deal with this on a daily basis and they're in the church. They're Christians because what they've listened to begins to get down. That's why you've got to be careful what enters into your spirit. You say, it don't affect me. It don't affect me. You are deceived. Do not be deceived. For God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. You need to understand that God is very serious about your thought life. To have a pure thought life. We say we want a clean heart, a pure heart. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We need to check what's going wild in our minds about things, about hatred things in our mind. When we're alone, when we're by ourselves, what we can spew really is inside us, for a man is defiled for what comes out of his heart.
but also what goes into his heart. We're defiled by those things. The Bible gives us, and I ask you to write down the scripture and I ask you to think about it. It says, finally, brethren, Philippians 4, 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, what are things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things or think on these things. The things which you learn, listen, verse 9 goes with it, and received and heard and saw me, these do. This is the way I'm living my life, Paul says. And the God of peace will be with you. So he gives us a pattern of thinking on the right way and the way to deal with our thoughts, to dislodge things. This Bible works. Every, this word is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And you know what? You begin to think on what the Bible says in that situation when the devil's telling you, don't forgive them. Jesus says, hey, you not only forgive them once, but you forgive them 77 times. Just keep on going and forgiving them. Hey, it's not just, ah, it's okay if I just look. No, it's not okay if you just look. Because those things are then put in your heart. And then you begin to think. And then you begin to get emotionally attached. Then the next thing, there's physical attachment. And here we go. And there we went. This Bible is so true in every situation. The Bible says in Romans 12, 2, I'm closing on this right here. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Or do not think the way the culture thinks. Can I tell you this? I want you to know this here at the journey. I go against the culture. I'm like the fish that swim up sea, upstream. I'm going against the culture. The culture is trying to destroy you. The world is the devil's. The earth is the Lord's. The world is the systems of this world. There are very innocent things that can be contaminated. Are there neutral things? Yeah, there's neutral things. There's nothing wrong going out playing a round of golf. There's so many things I can just start telling you about. But you know what? There are things that you shouldn't be involved in. That that culture is trying to suck you in. It's a way to think. It's a way to operate your life. No, it's not. You need to understand the world is the systems. That's what the devil's got. But this earth, this physical earth is the Lord's. This planet is the Lord's. The systems out here that are operating, out here, governments and people and all this stuff, the devil's in charge of that thing. That's what the Bible says. He's the God of this world. But the Lord owns this earth, and you need to understand the difference between those two. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing, getting your mind washed by the Word of God. Start thinking the way the Bible says to think. You've got to approach things the way the Bible thinks you're to, you know, to think on situations in life, about marriage, about what you want to do with your life. This is not just something arbitrary out here. It's something that every one of us need to consider. Where's our thought lives? He 
You ever feel like the, dri- the devil's just driving you on situations? He's just driving you. No, I don't want to get in that again. I just want to get out of it. I don't want to be involved with him again or her again. Oh, my gosh, what am I doing? It just feels like the devil gets a hold of the steering wheel. Or never gonna, I'm never going to take meth again. I don't never want to be around those people. You do great for a week or two, and then, oh, gosh, it's pulling me over here. And you get pulled because that's your thoughts. And the Lord makes you, you know what? So you get panicky. You get these, what they call, Panic attacks, or you get anxiety going in you. Do you know that's the devil? It's a reaction to your thoughts that's going on in your mind. The devil is a liar. He can never be trusted. He never tells you the truth. And in Romans 12, 2, it says, be not conformed. Don't be shaped by this world, but be shaped by the renewing of your mind. Listen to this. Do you know what the perfect will of God is? You may know what God's will is for your life. I just say this. God's got an unbelievable plan for each and every one of us. The way we get sidetracked is by our thoughts. And please, don't consider that one won't hurt you. One leads to the next, 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 to the next. I'm through. All right. Come on up here, Melissa. We're glad that you're with us and was with us today in our church service right here at The Journey. Um, Watch us on Take Fives every day. I give you a scripture and a devotional. You can think upon those thoughts. Get yourself in a local church. Find you someone that at work that you can share the Lord with of the same sex. And um, really begin to build yourself up. Don't let the devil keep on tearing you down. You can overcome any bad thought that you may have and begin to see that destroyed. You can have good mental health because Jesus promises that to us. He said, peace I leave and peace I give unto you. We can have the peace of mind and we do not have to be tormented like the devil.